this 80 pound or 70 pound eight month old oh. dog here come here i'll show you go come here up thorn get up get up no whatever i'll just show you there he is there he is oh my god and he's he's whimpering and crying because he's staring longingly at the out at the door hoping that they're going to come back through the house so for the last half hour i'm like I did not it I did not anticipate this. <laughs> so if you're here and you're here, <laughs> it's it's Thorn. I'm it's totally the, used right. to it. I, I there I don't have a dog, but there are many dogs in my family and they're all incredibly needy. So he's a good boy. Anyway, thank you. Uh Yona, thank you so much uh, for chatting with me. I really do appreciate it. This is this is gonna be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> This poor dog behind me or next to me. There he goes. There he goes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, for, for you who are listening and watching, uh, I'm speaking today with Jonas Strauss, uh, producer of The Quickening and many other wonderful projects. And Thorne is <laughs> dog. <laughs> he wants to talk too. But Jonas, uh, uh, I'm... This is going to, I'm really excited to chat with you about this. I was wondering, what is it for you that's most exciting about the process of creating, uh, creating films? You know, it's, it's different with every project. And I think what it comes down to the consistency across every project, because they're all so different is really the director you work with. And with quickening, working with Haya was so exciting. She's so deeply creative. She's so personal and really committed to a story. And that, really just makes everybody around her and everybody working with her really, really excited. And every director really brings that different flavor and that excitement to the project, and which makes just the passion for actually making it that much stronger. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, although it, it differs between every director and every project, the process, you know, they're the key elements that stay the same um, and that, you know, the act of developing a story, really getting it to the place that, you know, we can, we can execute it to the best of our abilities, no matter what resources we have on a project. That's so fun. It's such a fun puzzle to solve. Um, and every project is its own, own puzzle in its own way. And, you know, if you have good people and, and really strong leadership, it's, it's the best. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. And, and you know, maybe, uh, can you talk about solving that puzzle a little bit? What, you know, as producer, we hear a lot about the role of the director. We hear about, of course, we hear about the cast and these things, but the role of the producer uh, in general. No. The role of the, <laughs> I told you there may be some interruptions in this conversation. Um, the role of the producer in general may not be as well known. I was wondering for you, um, how do you help shape that vision of the, the projects? So again, I, I don't mean to be a broken worker, but it is always different. I think what it often comes down to is a, a filmmaker. And to this point in my career, I've always worked with writer directors, which is great because it's a very unified front and they'll come with a script. And often depending on what budget level we're at or where we want to shoot or you know, a million different uh, variables with every project, we then often develop the script maybe a little bit more just to maybe tailor it to where we're shooting or what budget level we're at, or you know, with COVID, that was also a huge consideration. So things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the role of the producer when it comes in for me 
is, you know, financing, budgeting, you know, getting those key creatives, really doing everything from point A to point B to ensure that the plan is executable at all levels. Um, and then, you know, you bring in very talented, very creative people to head up every department, but you want to ensure that by the time they've come into the project, everything is set up for them to be able to do their job at the highest level. So that to me is really my responsibility, ensuring that they have the financing, ensuring that they have the resources, scripts in the best place possible. And so when we get that team together and, and when the team comes aboard, that's really when the train leaves the station and you just wanna make sure that all the elements are there. And that's sort of the POV from, you know, later development into prep and production. It's, it's a bit of a different story once you're finished the film and you're showing it. But um, I think in terms of, you know, the creative vision and getting it off the ground, that's, that's kind of the key part of a producer in the beginning. Mm, yeah, I, and it, that's, that's, that actually sounds like a lot of fun, very collaborative uh, in, in shaping it together. What sort of projects do you look for? What excites you and say, this is what I want to make? Yeah, I, I think what excites me the most is a really unique and challenging voice. I, I really like to work with writer directors. I like, I find that the passion there is, it, it's so present. They've usually been with a project for years by the time that they're ready to have a, a producible script. So that is just it's so, it's usually the most unique that you're going to get because it's coming from this very singular voice. And that's what I look for when I work with a filmmaker. You know, you want to do things that are unique and original and, you know, can be really challenging or difficult because, you know, you're going to be on a project for many, many years. So you want to be doing something that's going to be challenging you and exciting you. And I think that's always what I'm looking for you know, when I, when I pick a script or a project, even though you might become so familiar with it because you've read it a million times or you've seen it cut a million times, you always want there to be elements that kind of surprise you or that you feel like you're always getting something out of it. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, and you know, it's funny that we don't always think about that. You said it's a project with you for many years. I don't think we often think about that. We think, okay, well, this movie came out they shot it earlier this year or what have you. And that's, that's all it is, but it is quite a journey. It is. Uh, yeah. Many, many years oftentimes uh, before it comes to, comes to life. What began this passion in you? What began your, <laughs> you're okay, pup. You're okay. I know. Yeah. He's just sad. He's just sad. Um, <laughs> what, what began this passion in you? What is it that, that made you, uh, want to be take on this role of, of bringing films to life? I'm a, an avid, avid movie watcher. I love, love watching movies. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, and when I think, when I started going to school and realizing that I could do this at school and do it beyond there, it was such a, it was such a wild realization to think like, can I really do this? Can I really make it work? Um, and I, I think that's kind of what my goal has been as an independent producer is being able to, to make this career path successful, be able to make it sustainable because it's, it's so much fun and it's so rewarding to be able to talk about movies all day. Um, and also the collaborative process is 
is amazing, you know, like being able to meet new people, bring them in, talk to such interesting, creative people. And it's not only from the crew that actors are so creative and so interesting and even kind of the less creative aspects like location scouting, like that's where you meet the most interesting people and go to places you never thought you'd go. And that sort of adventure of it has been so thrilling and such a rewarding part of the process. Is there a, like you mentioned about your, you love watching films. Is there a, a film or a particular genre or something that really was, was inspired that moment of this is what I want to do? Well, my, my parents are really big cinephiles as well. They had like a standing movie date every Saturday night. And as a kid, I would come with them if they'd let me. And it was, it was the greatest. And sometimes it wasn't the best selection because they would say, you know, you, you can come if you want, but we're going to see Million Dollar Baby. And I thought, <laughs> okay, sure. And it was like this horrible experience. But uh, if there was, I don't, as a family, we watched Almost Famous about 10 million times. So that one is a, is a standout for sure. See, your picks are so much better than mine. For me, it was moments like, uh, you know, watching, uh, Batman Forever and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> not, don't, not a producer, don't but I'm like, oh my gosh, my eyes just went blah, you know. And no, it, it, there was also there was a lot of of Batman Forever slaps. It does, <laughs> and you know, there was also a lot of like, you know, she's the man and Princess Diaries and like those movies for teenage girls are like so so formative and have so you know big big uh, part in my heart because they, you know, I think that humor like really shaped my personality in such a big way. So, you know, those movies, my parents didn't take me to see those. Those I had to find on my own and it was worth it. <laughs> it's fair. Um, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, the, the, the role of filmmaking in culture is, it's so important, but I don't know if it's always, I don't know, I don't know, if it's underestimated at times or not, I was wondering, do you think that our the storytellers or what role do you think our storytellers take in dictating our cultural stories? I, I think they play a huge part in dictating cultural stories. I think, you know, the when a movie is at its best, it's challenging you to talk about things or think about things that you wouldn't normally either ever give attention to, or you wouldn't have even like a point of reference to discuss or really think about in your life. And especially with movies being so widely accessible now, they're really starting conversations with people to, to see points of view from around the world and really different cultures. And I think that's, that's so important, you know, that you can see a life experience from something that is so, so different from your own and, you know, a movie is kind of just the first, your first introduction to that, but you can't have that understanding without knowing about it. And that's what I think, you know, film, it's so important. You know, it, it will show you about the world. It'll teach you about other cultures, other points of view, but it'll do it in a way at its best that it's entertaining. And I, I think that's so essential. And we're so lucky to have this access right now. And although it can be overwhelming at times, you know, there's so much to watch. We're so lucky that there's so much to watch because it also means that there's so many more people 
hopefully getting the opportunity to make movies. I love that you say that because it, it's funny because right now content is both starting incredible conversations and also overwhelming. It's such a delicate balance because, you know, things go straight to streaming. It feels like so much more than before, even though we had the 500 channel universe. Um, but maybe it's the importance of those conversations. Like I, I maybe maybe it's the the gravity of the conversations that are taking place right now. I, I'm not entirely sure uh, whether that's the issue. I can say at least from a filmmaker's perspective, it's certainly you know it, it's a challenge to become noticed and to stand out. You know whether you're on the festival circuit or your film has been distributed. Um, but you know it's it's a challenge, a part of independent filmmaking that's kind of always been there. It's just, you know, a little bit wider now. And, you know, I think it pushes producers, it pushes filmmakers and their partners to, to really believe in what they're making because they know that they're gonna have to fight to get it yeah. on the festival circuit, in you know, on people's radars and that support from the film community. You know, if, if an established filmmaker likes your work and they can help you or an actor or, you know, casting somebody because they've seen your last film, all that visibility is really helpful. But of course, it's, I think it's, there's definitely more variety now, but at least for independent filmmaking, that, you know, barrier of getting your film out there and having the world see it, that's always been there. Um, so in a way, you know, if, if anything, that's a little bit easier now. So maybe it's, it's silly, but I feel optimistic about it for sure. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's a challenge, especially in a post COVID world, you know, there's, there's a bottleneck of a lot of films that are finished and want to come out. And, you know, as a producer, you need to be savvy about how you're going to release a project and get the most eyes on it, because, you know, that's the whole goal. If you make a movie, you want people to be able to see it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got to be such a challenge, um, especially now there's so many people trying to make noise to, and draw attention. Um, the uh, with the, now, I mean, TIFF is coming up. I think it's three weeks away or something like that at this point. Uh, you've been a part of the festival for with with quickening quickening last year. I was wondering, can you talk about the festival experience? How what does a producer have to go through to get their film in something like that? What and and why are these festivals so important? These festivals, as a as a filmmaker, you know, especially working with a first time director, these festivals are everything. They're a launchpad for your career. I'm so so grateful to TIFF for the visibility that they gave Quickening. I've had other projects play there. White Lie played there in 2019, and it gives this platform for filmmakers, especially as a a Canadian filmmaker to have TIFF, you know, really look out for Canadian filmmakers is always, you know, it's such a pleasure. Their curation is phenomenal. Um, and also like, you know, I, I think with every project, you know, to get the project off the ground, you really just need that first person to say yes. Mm -hmm. um, and it, that's why it's so competitive because you know, to be that first person to say yes, you have to be the one that sees sees the goods um, and, you know, have the confidence to, to make that decision. But once the first door is open, it starts the whole process for your movie and, and just keeps that momentum going. You know, once 
once you've had that seal of approval from the first person, it gets other festivals interested and it gets distributors and sales agents and streamers and people online. It's, it, it's a train that you so desperately need when you're releasing an independent film to help get that visibility, help get those conversations started to a wide audience. Um, and I, I'm so grateful to it. It's been a, a great experience so far. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you've been a part of you've been a part of a number of festivals uh, throughout your career, which is incredible. Uh, brought stuff or brought your your films there. Just focusing on Toronto, what is it that makes this environment so unique and and so special? I mean, there are so many. Uh, there are tons of film festivals. Some of them are fantastic. Some of them are just smaller. I think Toronto, last time I, I don't know how many, what the count is now and whether COVID lowered it, but at one point we had like 70 festivals a year that no one knew about mm -hmm. uh, throughout the year. What is it about TIFF that, and, and the Toronto atmosphere that, that's so unique? Well, I think for one thing, it's TIFF is a Toronto institution. We're so proud of it. And, you know, we love it so much. When I was at Ryerson, which is not even called Ryerson anymore, it's <laughs> you now, but when I was at Ryerson, to be able to be a student and have this world-class festival and it, they really make it such, you know, with the talent that they book and the people that come, it's this very important pilgrimage for any filmmaker to have access to that as a young person is so essential when you're kind of developing your love for movies or if you're if you're into them and you're trying to figure out, you know, what your taste is or what that, you know, scene is like to have this very like well-functioning, well-oiled machine that's bringing in this talent from all around the world is so incredible. And I, I think it kind of speaks to what we talked about before, which in a big way is access, you know, mm -hmm. like it brings access to these movies that, you know, we, we might normally not see. Maybe they won't play theaters. Maybe they'll go to streaming or they'll have a limited release. So to be able to have this big platform, it, it's such a, it's such a treat. And I think Toronto is just, you know, we're lucky and we know it. Um, and it's, it brings such a special energy to the city. I think with all of, you know, the COVID restrictions that have, have you know, had to happen, um, you could really feel the energy shift, especially when it comes to the festival, which is normally such a celebratory an energetic place and, and you could feel it. Although they did a wonderful job last year, I'm, I'm very excited to go this year and you know reunite with friends and be in full things and and really feel that energy of the festival again. I think it will be a, a very lovely and, and welcome return. Uh, you're not wrong. Oh my goodness. I remember, oh, it was, I guess it was 2020 and watching films on my laptop on my back deck and I'm like, it, and it was funny because my wife said, but you love TIFF. Like, you, you know, I love TIFF. I said, yeah, but this is just like work for me. <laughs> it's just like, this is, nor this is normal film watching. You know, I could pop Netflix on if I want. But there is something about that atmosphere that, that it's uh, like, like you said, they did a great job. They did the best they could. Mm -hmm. but, but that in-person experience is, is so special. Well, you know, like the movie theater, at least for me, is like the last place that you go and nobody looks at their phone. You know, you're not checking your phone, you're not checking your email, no text, like you're just where you are and you're present in that moment. And I I think you don't really get it anywhere else. It's so special. So watching movies at home, at least for me, the distraction is always creeping in. 
Yeah. And the pause button. That yeah. you know, it's, there's something about being fully engrossed and with others. It's there's this communal experience. So I think it's just so incredible. Yes, totally. Um, now you're about to begin projection on, on dead lover with, uh, Grace Glowicki. I was wondering, you know, let's talk a little bit about that film. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that is and, and what is it that excites you about it? I can't say too much about it because we <laughs> haven't started yet, but what I will Fair say, I mean, no, no, no. Like I'm so excited about it. I'm just kind of like bursting, even thinking about it. And you know, what that really is, is working with Grace. She's so original, just to your question earlier about like, what do you look for in a collaborator? Grace is, you know, the dream collaborator. She's so creative. She's so specific. She knows exactly what she's looking for. And she's not worried to, to challenge, you know, creative norms or, you know, what we think of typically when we think of, you know, an indie movie or, you know, something like that. She, she wants to surprise audiences. She wants to push boundaries. And as a producer, that's so fun to know that you're doing something that feels really unique. So it, it's been a treat. She's lovely. I'm very excited. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if you've seen her work before, if you're fans of Tito, then it's really just kind of building on what she does best. Um, and also, you know, as a producer, this is her second movie. It's my second feature as a full producer and being in that same spot in our career, you know, that sophomore feature, it, it really is a very different experience than a debut feature. It's, it's just a different ball game. And to be able to do that together is also very nice. Yeah. With the, I mean, now I, I imagine there's a lot more comfort than going into the second film as opposed to the first experiences or anything you learned from your time with quickening that uh, you're taking with you? Everything. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair Everything enough. From quickening, you know, like from, from the financing and budgeting and, and just navigating those big picture items, you know, really also what I was less familiar with. I think you get a sense when you're coming up and you're doing short films, you kind of get a sense of, of those basic aspects of filmmaking, like the things you just need to know, but with a feature that I didn't have as much experience was selling the movie, getting a distributor, bringing it on the festival circuit. Um, so having those experiences under my belt um, is, is a huge plus, I would say, moving into this next project. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to, Quickening was great. I'm looking forward to, to Dead Lover when it, when it comes around. Um, and thank you so so much. Thank you, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great, and uh, I really. I, I hope your your sweet puppy is doing okay. <laughs> he is he is currently wandering the yard looking for signs oh. of life. Uh, he's pacing around, uh, trying to find somebody that he knows. <laughs> and he's back. He's back. Oh, the only one. Come here, bud. Hey, come here. There you go. There he is. Oh, what a sweetheart. <laughs> He's a cute. He's a cute one. He's a big one. He's a cute. He's one. cute. <laughs> Enjoy okay. him. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>